Hi, and welcome to Webs and Chains Excite Me Your Show for all things sex and fetish and everything else on the ground. Today let's talk about pornography and sex and disinformation, the myths, what are the facts and what perhaps, made up nonsense. So we've been doing a little bit of research around the subject. And if we look at it, there's many activists these days out there really demanding that everybody has a very black and white view of most subjects out there. Doesn't matter where you look, whether it be Google, YouTube or any other wells, okay? Everybody's got an opinion. Now, when we look at porn itself, it's a very difficult thing. For some people, a lot of porn is kind of too extreme for many people. And often, you know, some people feel that they're being commodified or turned into some sort of sexual titillation. Trans people are no exception to this. And of course, there are many other fetishes around it. And I think that it, it, it depends on your own personal tastes. Whether you mind that or not. If you are a trans person and you don't mind fantasizing your own situation, and you're comfortable with that, then that's, that's cool, right? That's okay by you. But if you're a trans person who doesn't like that, then this could feel rather offensive and demeaning. And I suppose we could say this about any other group too. So blonde-haired people, maybe, or red-haired people, okay, we could go to the extreme on this. So I think that ultimately, whilst I try to look at both sides in these podcasts, I would say that it's down to your personal, your personal preference, and if you don't like it, don't watch it simple as that because you can't stop it from being there. Now, it's really essential that whenever we talk about sex on this program, that we separate genuine moral harms. So we're talking about protecting children, excluding things like sex trafficking rings, okay, all of these things are terribly damaging and in no way shape or form or any of my podcasts are meant to be referring to these types of bad, dark areas of pornography. And I think that like anything in life, actually that there can be good uses of bad use of anything and it's up to us as to how we ensure that the good uses are made use of and the bad are literally stamped out. So we could have the same argument about say nuclear power stations, for example, another controversial area, okay. And we could say, well, it's a really bad thing. Well, it is and when you look at the amount of environmental hazards that can happen, but on the flip side there is great use for nuclear power, if done in the right way if that's the correct way to say it. And we could say that whilst nuclear weapons are not great nuclear power, if the waste is disposed of or stored in a safe manner, is exceptionally efficient to provide many people's energy needs. So again, it's just down to how it's used. The Internet Cell phones in moderation are really useful adjuncts to our day-to-day -day life, but when it replaces all interaction, it's a bad thing. So just like with pornography, I think that it depends on what type of porn we're looking at. And as long as there are no moral transgressions happening here, with the groups I've just mentioned, and similar, then I think that each to their own. Alright, so let's look at it. The problem is, is that many groups are existing to manufacture some sorts of moral transgressions about certain groups and individuals, and as I've researched around this, 
and I found a few great articles out there online talking about this, so I'm going to drop in some references from them. But you see this happening all the time, sort of racial and sexual minorities are being used as kind of cannon fodder from the left and the right in the center. And the racist person obviously might use that terrible N-word okay. Or they may present certain facts from very, so we say, suspects information sources that are carefully selected to on purpose, make a particular racial group look bad, and the intent is the same. Okay? It's just used to focus on one particular person or organization's overall aims. And here's the same thing, if you think about it, that religions let's talk about religions here because these are the people who tend to speak out about porn a lot, aka they have spent well I'd say Ian's right, you know, criminalizing sex we're trying to, you know, make it a death penalty in some cases are a really bad thing. And that really nobody could say anything about having a sexual appetite. And if we look into it, anti-porn organizations that are there, you can pretty much link all of them back to some sort of religious group or church or big name. Or big budget. Okay. So it's interesting, isn't it that unfortunately, it seems that big porn and big church has one article referred to it very much, you know, related here. And when I look at it, you need to dig into it. Deeper. Okay. And I can't pick a side on this, I don't really want to as I've just said, it's not a case of saying porn is harmful or helpful. I'm just presenting it as an interesting piece for the podcast. And of course, it is a controversial subject. So you know, look, billions are made by porn companies every day. And in fact, you know, it's a multi-million dollar business. But the point is, is how much of that money is getting to the actual actors and poor, the actors, actresses, whatever you want to, you know, the models, the the people, the people who participate in the poor. That is the question. Do you know, it's easy to access anywhere right? Pornhub bonga cams, you name it, it's everywhere. And if you think about it, they are there really, you know, to serve a certain need right if there wasn't a need for it. There. Wouldn't be all these porn sites. So the question is, is really well, what's going on? And why are we all needing porn? If it's okay, not all of us. That's an overstatement. But look, when we look into it, why why is that okay? Now, many sites out there who are anti-porn try to claim that, you know, a good percentage of the internet is porn. And that they say that also another very speculative thing that they say and suspecting is 88% of porn is violence against women. Well, as one article I found shows from some very interesting research this this particular writer did. That figure is total nonsense, okay? To say that, like a good percentage of the internet is poor, and that has been proven time and time again, that it's not okay. And that really in addition, there's about only from research paper that was done a book called A Billion Wicked Thoughts, what the internet tells us about sexual relationships that researched into that, and this was in 2012. But the researchers for that book looked at billions of like data sets to see you know, what makes people people when no one's looking or when we think no one's looking.
And when looking for internet porn, and only 4% of websites in that study are actually pornographic. So that completely, you know, demolishes the country claim that 30% of websites are the graphic, right? So it's not as widespread as is being made out. Also, very few web searches are actually from porn. This is interesting, right? Okay. I myself can tell you that sex does not sell you no, the idea that oh, well you know, if you've got it if you've got porn clips, or you're doing like even a podcast like this or whatever, that you're making gazillions of dollars absolutely nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. So I would say that big industries know how to make sex sell marketing knows how to make sex sell, but individual people and a lot of websites out there, they're not making money. It's just an interest. It's something that people want to share. But you would be greatly mistaken if you thought that I or anybody else who was perhaps you noticed an amateur person and this is making huge amounts of money couldn't be further from the truth. I wish it were different. It's not okay. And most people expect to get even paid for clips totally free. The amount of people who have contacted me and asked for that. It's just yeah, because it's just expected right. Now, if we look out to it further, okay, there was a chart on statistics showing the surveillance of porn online. And actually the percentage of U.S. adults. From 18 to 35 years old who watch porn at least weekly what men get accounted for 87% of that figure, which I think is not surprising. Testosterone does make you very horny. And I don't think we should be ashamed about saying that personally speaking, I think men are always been made to feel like we're some sort of weird pedophiles or predators for having a sex drive. Sorry, but it's just it's just ecology of you know, it is biology. At the end of the day, women accounted for 28.5% so you can see a clear, big difference, okay. And the sources again that this came from one statistic were taken from a billion wicked thoughts study the Columbia University Cosmopolitan Study. Alright, so just to be very clear with you, the data was from 2005 to 2010. And then there was other data use in 2014 to to make these certainly sets up okay. Now in the 1990s, a huge percentage of internet porn to actually sorry internet searches were for poor, okay, up to 40% in 1999. Alright. But if we look at that, it's not probably because everybody's looking for porn, but because so few people have internet access. And those who didn't, you know, those who didn't have many choices, so you know, it wasn't representative of what the general wide huge worldwide population were looking for. Okay, YouTube wasn't around. There was no social media. And you could pretty much look up a few things news, porn and stock prices, and that was it. Right there. Where no e-commerce sites is such to speak of they were very early in the infancy. So you know, these, these sites became popular, and then the average porn searches sacked about 4 and 10% in the 2000s, right 20 years ago. So this is very interesting. So you know, we're looking at data that's way back, 
which was skewed in the first place, because it wasn't actually there are only like three options for people to look at. All right. Okay. So, if we look at it, what most anti-porn and religiously motivated politically right-related organizations are looking at is that they are trying to say that people's porn habits are unhealthy. Okay? But when when they're taking the form of it should be zero then of course, any amount is far too much. Right? It's like saying that, you know, if drinking just one glass of wine a day makes you an alcoholic, because it's classed as one drink too many then you're an alcoholic, but that's ridiculous, right? We know that. You know? So from from that perspective, this is where you've got to understand what's going on with the church the religious organizations and political organizations. Now, this isn't to knock those organizations or say, I'm not taking you the side of this. I'm just presenting some interesting facts. Okay. So the actual thinking about is the problem, not the porn itself. Okay. Also, this claim of 88% of porn depicting violence against women. Now, the organization that actually mentioned that, it was a single study, one study does not constitute I think anything statistically significant. And it was initially published in a journal called Violence Against Women. Right, and he included all types of consensual aggression as violence against women. So it was consensual. So if you look at that, think about BDSM it is consensual or it should be right okay, so even consensual BDSM would automatically be registered as oh, that's violence against women, but it was consensual. Okay, so it's not it's not supporting or perpetuating something. And the whole point of BDSM is a disease consented to by the sub and the dark between them. Okay. So again, this is where these potential dangers are clearly blown out of proportion. There's also been a study cited many times by Nicole Pross at UCLA showing that neuroscience well, a lot of neuroscience published claims porn is addictive. Okay. Okay, now that's actually being shown to be disinformation. Okay. The whole idea that porn is addictive is not accurate. Okay. There was a brand new study published at Oxford saying the porn doesn't fit the public health definition of crisis, and I'm quoting here, and it doesn't cause erectile dysfunction either. So if any of you are really lovers of porn, but worried about this, I would like to encourage you to look into those researches again, and understand them and hopefully can reassure you a little bit. Also, these organizations perpetuating these forms are really giving you harmful ideas, putting harmful ideas into your mind, okay to believe that you are addicted to porn creates a serious conflict. And hang up and stigma associated with you. If you love porn, then you may have conflicts and guts and think well, this is bad, I'm going to become an addict and then you may become quite depressed, okay? Or have a lot of other issues. And if you think about it, this tactic I have to say, is used time and time again by any organization that you know, they want to convince you you have a problem, and then they are the solution and then give them the solution. Right. So if you think about that, okay. 
There was a great MD cited in one of these research papers that I read Donald L. Hilton, the medical doctor, and he's a prominent member of this particular movement and you're assigned who produces I would say, quite interesting. I don't know what how do we what it? Yeah, it's kind of difficult to distinguish it from quality. Science, okay. And this particular gentleman published a book about how Jesus in particular can rescue you from sex and porn. Now, that's fine. He, he's entitled to his opinion, and you know, everything else that's fine, but because when somebody is a neurosurgeon and is almost like trying to mix up the research, it's hard to work out if that is quality science or accurate research, and then being used to put a certain spin on it. This is the problem where we are abusing our position as an expert in other areas and then linking it to something else. So that's that's a fascinating point to consider. Is porn harmless? Well, I don't think it's as harmful as many people say is, but that doesn't also mean that it is utterly harmless. Right? Okay. I think it really depends, like all things right. Some statistics can be lies, other people's connect, you know, if you've had a bad experience and a trauma related to porn, then of course, you may feel that this is true that it is harmful. It can be harmful to some people, right? If you've got any sort of sexual trauma from the past, it could be a problem. So if you've had a strict religious upbringing, conflicts and beliefs, lingering trauma, to do with sexual assault, of course, it contributed. Okay, and this is what I'm saying. You have to be your own judge, but I don't believe that organizations should police what you do or do not experience or come into contact with. As I said earlier, I'm not talking about children or you know, people who are perhaps vulnerable groups and talking now about consenting adults, okay, who know what they're going looking for. You need to know you need to take your responsibility here, but it should be up to other organizations to tell us whether we should be able to see this or not. Overall, it's giving a lot of people hang-ups that don't even need to exist. Like I say people thinking that they have an addiction when in fact it's been proven that that's not possible. Yes, you can alter your brain chemistry of course from you know sort of getting addicted to the dopamine rush, maybe if you want to call it like that. But then again, you can get addicted to a lot of things in life. So it's up to us as to how we do it, how we actually utilize it. Ultimately, I think that we live in a messy world. With our partners who are also complicated and messy people to write okay. And even when trauma isn't in our lives, when one partner uses porn as a substitute for the partner's sex then obviously our partners do tend to suffer equally though I know plenty people who are in relationships, but they're not getting enough sex. So the pornography itself supplements that relationship and is enough to stop the partner from perhaps either ending the relationship or even worse, perhaps cheating behind someone's back. And doing it in real life. Because sometimes, people may argue that porn is the stepping stone to them cheating. I don't know whether I see it that way myself, but I respect those who do. I think that if most people were to be honest with you, they may have fantasies in their head, but they don't reveal them. Porn isn't a replacement for sex, 
but it certainly is something that can help those who use it to better explore and express their sexual selves. And I think that if it's done in a healthy way, then that is a good thing to do. So overall, no, I don't I don't agree or disagree that pornography and sex is good or bad. I believe that it's up to the individuals who are utilizing all of these kinds of possibilities to decide for themselves what their tolerance is and what they want to look at. And then from there, then you go ahead and you decide what you want to engage in and what you don't but ultimately, I do know this that organizations who are seeking just a one-way narrative, which is all porn is bad, and it gives you problems or it gives them hang-ups, okay, it's not helping the conversation at all. And from that point of view, okay, you need to be aware these organizations are out there, and yeah, use your own judgment. Okay. Ultimately, I think porn can be very helpful and I hope you enjoy exploring all the different sides of it in a safe and healthy and respectful manner with whoever you're with or even on your own. If you've got a point of view on this, I'd love to hear from you. And I'm looking forward to giving you some more sexy and interesting podcast very soon. Take care.